to give you all a very warm welcome to our evening service. Whether you're here as a visitor or a regular here or joining us online, it's um, very good to have you join with us. And a special welcome to John Woods as he's joining us here this evening to preach to us. He's travelled all the way from Lance in Tabernacle and um, we're really looking forward to what he has to teach and preach to us later on. Um, And just one thing, I was chatting to John just a moment ago outside and um, he's got a fairly busy week coming up this week. He's travelling out to Latvia um, to take some seminars out there, so I'm sure that he would really appreciate us um, praying for him this week. So if you can, please remember John as he travels to Latvia this week. Keep him in our prayers. A couple of notices. Um, Again, we have Muriel's uh, funeral this coming Monday and all of those that would like to attend, the service starts down here at 11.30 tomorrow. And also a reminder to the men, we have our men's Bible studies uh, this coming Wednesday, 7.30. It's either down here at Chapel House with John or at Martin Hook's house. Um, You know which groups you've been in, but it'd be a real encouragement to see as many of you there. And um, just a quick one as well, we've got the Thrive flyers still, there's plenty out in the foyer still. If you're able to take some and deliver some for us, it would be really, really helpful. Or if you know any children um, that might like to come, just take some flyers and hand it out to them, it'd be a a real um, help to us. And also, just a reminder that there's lots of flyers out there for the family Christmas service and the candlelit one. It's very well attended, really good one, and it's lovely to see the children up here singing as well, so it's a good one to invite people to, especially at this time of the year when we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we just pray before we sing first? Dear Heavenly Father, we again thank you so much that we're able to come and worship you here this evening. We thank you so much that that we can come into this building and we can forget about all the other things that have happened today and this week. We can solely concentrate on you and we pray that your Holy Spirit will be at work this evening. Help us all to be attentive to what we hear, to what we sing. Help us to really raise our voices to praise you. And Lord God, we just thank you so much that you are a God who stepped down from your throne. You sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be born here as a baby, yet to be sinless in every single way. He came to teach and to save his people, and we thank you that whoever puts their trust in him will be saved. Amen. Well, our first song that we're going to be singing uh, this evening is Bless the Lord, O My Soul. And it's it's a really good one, isn't it, to lift our voices to God. So please stand when the music starts.
got two readings uh, this evening. We've got one reading now and one a little later on. Um, The first reading this evening is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and it's verses 3 to 11. So it's 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 verses 3 to 11. You can find that on the Chapel Bibles on page 964. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Amen. We're going to stand again now to sing our second song, Immortal Honours, My God, My Portion and My Living Bread.
to God now. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you this, this evening and we thank you so much again to be able to come together as your people to worship you. We come before a God who is our rock and is our salvation. We come before a God who is pure love, who sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to die for us on that cross at Calvary that we may be set free from our sins. We thank you so much for the way that you teach us, that you guide us. And Lord, we just pray that as we go through our Christian lives, Lord, that you can help us to grow more and more each day. Lord God, there are so many things that we would like to say and praise you about, but Lord, you are so great, so so magnificent. We just don't have enough words or time to, to say them all. Yet, Lord, you know each and every single one of us. You know our hearts, you know our thoughts, you know every single thing about us. And Lord, how wonderful that is. And Lord, the wonderful thing is that no matter how full of sin we are, no matter how far away from you we have been, Lord, if we put our trust in you and ask for forgiveness, you will forgive our sins. What an amazing saviour we have. And Lord, we long for for people here that we do not know, that do not know you, Lord, that, that they would come to know and love you. There have been many that have come through these doors into this building here over the many, many years who have um, sat in these pews, who have listened to the things that have been taught and preached at the front here, yet they have turned their face away from you. Their heart has been cold. And Lord, we continue to pray for them. Lord, we know that that a seed could be planted deep, deep in someone's heart and it might take days, months, even many, many years before we see fruit from that. But Lord, you are a faithful and you are a just God. And we just pray that we will be continuing in praying for these loved ones of ours that have gone away from us now. Lord, we know that you have the power at any moment to stop them in their tracks to convict them of their sin and to bring them back into the fold, Lord. We just pray that that even now, Lord, that you would be working in these people's hearts and lives now. And Lord, not just the people that we know, but people around about this town, this world, around us, Lord. There is so much wickedness, so much sadness, so much war, so much famine, Lord. Lord, it seems so hopeless, yet there is a great and mighty light that can shine into people's lives, that can lift them out of this darkness, There is only one thing that can can really fill us with true joy and true happiness. There is that hole in so many people's lives where they try to fill it with so many things, whether it's wealth, um, pleasure, whatever it might be, but no one can fill it except you. Lord, we know that. Lord, we've all been there ourselves, especially. Lord, I remember how lost I was from you, Lord. How I was searching so often to to just um, fill myself with the things that I thought that I needed. But nothing could satisfy me like you could, and we thank you for that. Lord God, we we do come before you this evening and we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you so much for all the good things that you give us day by day. We thank you for our health, we thank you for our families, we thank you for the homes that we live in. But yet, Lord, even in our families that you have blessed us with, Lord, there are sadnesses. And again, we think of the young family at this time. We think of Harriet and the kids at the sad loss of Graham this week. Lord, we cannot say anything to make them feel better in any way at all. Lord, we can, we can give them um, encouragement, we can pray for them, but Lord, you are the true comforter, you're the true one that can come and get alongside each and every single one of those family members. And Lord, you can put your loving arms around them and tenderly care for them. And we just pray at this sad, sad time, Lord, that you would do that for them. Yet we remember many as well at this time of year, especially, who have lost loved ones in the last few years, Lord. 
Lord, it is still hard, it is still sad, it is still tough. And again, we pray that you'll continue to be with them. Lord, we pray that you would comfort them in only the way that you can. And Lord, we just pray that even out of these bad situations that happen, Lord, that that we can see a plan of action that you have in the future. Lord, when we think about, about things like this that happen, Lord, we've been learning in Thrive with the Children, the story of Joseph. Lord, so many things happened to him where it was just so distressing, so sad, so upsetting. Lord, it looked as though, you know, there was no um, future for Joseph, yet through each stage of his life, when it seemed really, really bad, when he seemed so, so low, Lord, you used it as a pathway and a plan for Joseph to thrive in his life, Lord. And in the end, Lord, he showed us a clear picture of who Jesus is as our Saviour, and we thank you for that. Lord God, we... We pray for these coming events um, that are coming up, especially at this time of year. We think of Christmas time, Lord. So many great events to, to invite people to and to spread the good news, the gospel, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just pray and encourage many, many people here that I know it can be really um, scary sometimes to speak to someone and invite someone to a service or an event. But I pray that you would give them that encouragement, Lord, that you would help them to, to get alongside people that they know and to hand out invites to bring them to, to know um, who you are, Lord. Lord, what an opportunity is to, to bring people that we love and that we know on a daily basis to come and hear the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ being born, the saviour of the world. And Lord, we know that you can work marvels and miracles through these um, events, Lord. We know that you can change anybody at any time and we thank you for that. Lord God, we, we again thank you for James and Rachel as they join us again this evening. Lord, we thank you for all that they do out in Cyprus. And Lord, we know that, that they're missing those that are away, that are back over in Cyprus. But we pray that you continue to be with them at this time, to lift them up, to encourage them, to refresh them. And Lord, we thank you so much that they're willing to go out to a different country to take your word, to try to take the good news to the people around and about them. And we just pray, Lord God, that your word would be mighty and powerful and that there would be many people changed through that work out there. Lord God, we think uh, closer to home now and we thank you for, for our eldership and our pastor. We thank you for John and Mark, especially the way that they teach and guide us week by week. We pray that you would encourage them in this coming week, Lord, as they study your word again, ready to bring it to us. Lord, we thank you so much for the way that that they're an encouragement to so many of us here. And Lord, we know that it must feel like such a lonely place sometimes, um, having the responsibility on your shoulders for a congregation. But Lord, we thank you for them and we pray that you would bless them both. And Lord, as we think about um, preaching and teaching, we just pray that you'd be with John now as he comes to speak to us in a moment, Lord. We thank you that he's been able to travel here from Lansing uh, this evening, but we pray especially that you would speak through him, that you would help him and guide him as he takes us through and the passage tonight in Psalms. Lord, we pray that it would be a blessing to us. We pray that each one of us would be attentive. We pray that your Holy Spirit would work in all our lives, and we pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our second reading, and this will be what uh, John will be preaching from a little bit later on, is from Psalm 13. And if you're following along in your Bibles, um, you can find that on page 453. So, Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul? And have sorrow in my heart all the day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? 
Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in the steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. And we very much look forward to John in a moment as he comes to preach us on that passage. But just before then, we're going to sing our third song, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds in a Believer's Ear. It soothes our sorrows, heals our wounds, and drives our fear out. Yeah. 
Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, it's all very, always very good to come here. It takes a little while and it was a dark kind of um, journey here, but always good to come. We're uh, looking at Psalm 13 and a little bit of a history with this um, particular psalm. Uh, about 10 years ago, um, I was in uh, an African country called Burundi, a very tiny country near Rwanda. Um, it's a, one of the poorest countries in the world. And in, in these African countries, um, in the main uh, city, they, they have a, a large central market. It's, um, it's kind of the economic hub of the city and the economic hub of, of the country. Um, on our journeys outside of the city, Bujumbura, um, you, you kind of go up these very steep hills and you, you witness people on bicycles um, with no brakes um, carrying huge loads on the back, all coming to the market. And I remember preaching, uh, or rather speaking, about how to, how to preach on the Psalms um, with, with a group of African pastors. And they said, well, we don't, we don't preach on the Psalms. You know, we, we, we do read them and we sing them, but we don't really preach on them. Now, just a day or so after this, there was a huge fire in the market and the, the market in the centre of Bujumbura was completely destroyed. Um, lots of uh, people lost their livelihood, stallholders lost their stock. And one of the, one of the men who was at that seminar um, decided that actually this week he would preach on a psalm and he would preach on Psalm 13 because it was a devastating thing economically Devastating thing for, 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 the, for the city and for the country. Uh, the whole supply chain of, of things coming into the, into the market, in the central market there in Bujumbura, completely disrupted. And he preached on Psalm 13 and spoke about what it is to cry out to God when all things seem to be lost. And he said that that particular sermon resonated with uh, the people that he was speaking to that day. Um, because they had either lost everything or knew someone who'd lost everything and it gave them a vehicle by which they could come and, and speak to God in prayer. A psalm that gives us words to bring to God. That's what this psalm particularly does for us. I hope we'll be helped to kind of see that this evening. Uh, this pastor said that um, the response in terms of people phoning in to the radio uh, because the, the sermon was broadcast was kind of off the chart in terms of uh, numbers who, who, who spoke to him. And God was at work through it. May God be at work through it today. The word for 2022, the word that was coined for that year, was the, the word permacrisis. And the idea of a permacrisis was that it's kind of one thing after another. The, the COVID crisis, um, followed by um, the Ukrainian war, the energy crisis, the economic squeeze that came after that, the, the concern about the, the climate crisis um, around the world and global warming, and then in these last few weeks, the concerns about warfare in the Middle East, one thing after another. Now, that's true globally, isn't it? But it can be true for us personally as well. Personal crises that we face. Um, we've heard things in prayer about people who've had burdens, who've suffered, who've experienced loss. One way or another, we're none of us very far away from a crisis, 
a perma-crisis, one thing after another. And the psalmist was in that particular situation. And when we're in that kind of situation, it can be so valuable to, to have these prayers, like Psalm 13, that are described as laments, a cry to God. There are many of these laments. Um, this one has a resolution. Some of them don't have a resolution, as we'll kind of say, see in a moment. It's good to be able to have a vehicle by which we can speak to God when deep burdens press in on our lives. We remember that Jesus takes upon his lips one of the words of one of the Psalms of Lament, Psalm 22, when he's upon the cross and he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He asks the question and he expresses the pain and he does it by using a psalm. And he does it by using a psalm of lament. The the reformer Martin Luther said that all scripture speaks to us, but the psalms speak for us. All scripture speaks to us, but the psalms speak for us. They give us words that we can take back to God. They give us words that we can express what's going on inside of us, to express our pain our puzzlement, our concerns, we can bring them to God. Now, someone has written about the Psalms of Lament in general and says that not all of us are experiencing what this Psalm and the other Psalms of Lament describe. But we might be sitting next to someone who does. Or we might have someone on our prayer list who does. And we need to remember that these psalms are written to remind us that that God knows our needs before we ask. He He knows the dark tunnels that we go through and to give us an opportunity to run into the arms of God who has, for some reason or other, led us through a tunnel of darkness. That somehow we can come to this God who's in control of the ups and downs of life and we can bring words to him that might seek his help and strength. One of the Psalms of Lament, Psalm 88, which doesn't have a resolution, one writer speaks about that psalm and says, there's a young man called Scott, and he heard the psalm read in church two days after the sudden death of his wife, Susie. And he said that the, the psalm, he felt as though the psalm understood him completely. Uh, there was a Frenchman who, who said he became a Christian because uh, when he read the Bible, he felt the Bible could read him. It's a remarkable thing to think, isn't it, that we can read the Bible, but it's also important to recognise that the Bible reads us. It interprets us. It understands exactly what we're thinking, what we're feeling. It's often a few steps ahead of us. Have you ever found that experience of coming to church and hearing a sermon or or, or reading uh, the Bible in your daily Bible reading and finding that somehow God wonderfully has lined up a message that's just right for you? The Bible does read us. And Scott says... The psalm gave me permission to feel devastated. And sometimes we do need to feel 
the permission to feel devastated. Because sometimes in our trusting in the living God and his goodness and his kindness, we can feel disloyal if questions arise in our minds. We can feel disloyal if we feel and express our pain because God is good. And if we were in Africa, they would say all of the time. He is good. He is good all of the time. Yet, there are in the experience of God's people times of deep darkness and struggle and laments are given that we might have a safety valve. You know, uh, when those pressure cookers um, that used to be used to kind of cook food quickly before there were air fryers um, uh, for sale. Um, as, as, as it came to the point that it was, it was ready to be opened up, that kind of, that whistle on the top, the, the, the safety valve at the top began to whistle. Um, and, and laments are the, the safety valves of God's people where we can let out the pain, let out the cries, the sorrows, and the questions. Because life is full of questions, isn't it? I wonder how many questions you've got whirling around in your brain and heart this evening. It doesn't take very long, does it, for a child to learn to ask questions. The favourite of the very small ones is why, which is kind of a, a challenging question, isn't it? And it kind of goes on and on and on. You can ask why forever. Of course, there are some very deep whys, aren't there, as we were reminded as we think about the cross. Why have you forsaken me? It's a reminder that the Lord Jesus, in coming into our world, has come into the very darkness of all of our dark questions. And he's asked that question for us. And in his death and resurrection, he has brought some resolution to that question. Of course, when children get a bit older, um, they, they begin to ask other questions, like, are we there yet? And this psalm, in a sense, is a variation on that question, are we there yet? How long, O Lord, is the question that's asked four times in the psalm. How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? And it seems as though these questions kind of get stronger and stronger as the, as the psalmist goes through um, his prayer. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? It's an obvious thing to say, isn't it? But, um, but it's, it's true and it's worth saying that waiting takes a long time. I don't know if you're good at waiting. Um, they say that one of the national sports of the British is to queue. And we do queue so much better than Eastern Europeans, as to be said, as I anticipate going to Latvia. We, we do know how to wait, and sometimes we know how to wait politely. But waiting does take time. Time does move slowly. How long? And we want to know, don't we? We want to know how long. If we're in pain, when will it be over? 
If we're uncertain, we want to know when will it be over? When will we come to a, a point of clarity? When will things be clear? If we're on a list, we want to know when will we get to the top of the list? If we're on a phone call, we want to know when, when we are the one caller who is waiting and the, the call is about to be answered. We can be very impatient and we might feel there's a kind of hint of impatience in this prayer. How long? How long? How long? How long? It's urgent. And it seems to kind of grow in intensity. How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? It's almost as if it's an inch or two away from impertinence to ask God four times how long it will be until relief has come. But the psalm is here in scripture in order to be something of a model for prayer for those who are experiencing deep pain and concerns in their souls. It gives us permission to speak to God. It gives us permission to ask questions of God. Someone has written a book about lament and they've given it the interesting title It's okay not to be okay. Now, of course, the the ultimate lie in the Christian church is, I am fine. Of course, there are times in our lives when we're not fine, when we're patently not fine. And, And it's important that Psalms like this do give us permission to say to God and to say to others, I am not okay at this time. I'm not doing well. And sometimes that honesty, sometimes being able to say that to another person can be our lifeline. Because sometimes the unreality that makes us mask our vulnerability is the thing that tips us over the edge. The fact that we don't feel that we can say to people, I'm really struggling at the moment, means that we get a step closer to to losing it altogether and finding our life collapsing around our shoulders. How long, O Lord? The laments of the Psalms help us to feel the permission to locate our pain. You know, you go to the doctor, that's if you can get an appointment, and they say, well, where does it hurt? They, they want to diagnose your condition. They want to be able to get some idea of what exactly is going on. They want to prescribe some medicine or treatment that will assist you. But they need to know where your pain is located. And the laments are our opportunity to locate our pain. Lord, this is where it hurts. It feels as though you yourself are distant from me. It feels as though I have great sorrow in my heart because you don't seem to be very near to me. It seems as though there is a great distance between me and you. 
And it seems as though the enemy of my soul is putting the boot in to make it more difficult. Um, the evil one will, will use times of vulnerability to attack the believer, to make them feel uncertain about God. And that's how the psalmist was feeling here. Have you been there? Have you been there waiting, questioning, longing, longing for God to give you a signal, show you a sign, shine a light on your path, open up the possibilities of a future when it feels as though the future has been snatched away. When we feel like this, though, we can feel guilty and we can feel disloyal. But here we have a psalm of David. The heading says, a psalm of David to the choir master. This was a a psalm that was sung in the public worship of God's people. I don't know if it was everyone's favourite psalm. Probably people thought, well, maybe we want something a bit more upbeat this morning. But sometimes we, we come to church and we hear the upbeat song and we feel it's perhaps just out, out of tune with our mood at that moment. Maybe for some of us, if this was the, the song that was the first song on the Sunday morning, it would just fit exactly where we are. It would actually do just what we needed in our lives. It would be just a ticket in our lives. Prayer is meant to be honest, isn't it? If we can't be honest to God, um, who can we be honest with? We do find it hard to be honest with our peers, our friends. We find it difficult to be honest with those who are in spiritual authority. We find it difficult because we don't want them to kind of feel any less of us. We don't want them to feel that we're not trusting God. We don't want them to feel that we're letting the side down. And we can kind of carry the the, the wounds of our inner life in order to kind of mask our vulnerability from other people. But you know, what's the alternative? There there are two things, aren't there, um, that that are alternatives to um, a prayer like this in Psalm 13. Either we keep silent, we say nothing about it, or we, we complain to others. Uh, now, when we complain about God, it's kind of like engaging in gossip, isn't it? When we talk in a, in a kind of horizontal way between person and person about the struggle that we have with God, it is like gossiping. But when we lament, we're praying. When we're gossiping, it seems as though we're putting a further distance between God and us. But when we're praying, we're saying, I don't understand what's going on at this moment. I'm puzzled. I'm full of questions and I'm full of pain. But I'm praying because I feel that this is a route that I might be able to get out of the pain and experience you in a real and powerful way again. Now, the odd thing about this psalm is that the psalmist is saying the biggest problem he has is with God. 
Where do you go when the problem is with God? You know, where do you go if you're an employee and your problem is with the boss? Where do you go? Well, maybe you're in a situation where there are clear lines of, of complaints, etc., etc. But what do you do as a believer when you have a problem with God? Where do you go? Who do you call? Of course, the, um, the only answer is the answer that we have in the psalm. The only place you can go if you have a problem with God is to God. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. It appears that God is hidden from the psalmist. God is not showing his face. He doesn't seem to be experiencing the favour. It's not working for him. Where does he go? The psalmist says, I feel as though I've got nothing. But the only place I feel I can come to is you. I'm speaking into the dark. I'm, I'm kind of moving along and fumbling along here. You are my only hope. I'm in the darkness, and if there's going to be light, it's you who needs to flick the switch. Look, consider, answer me, O God. Light up my eyes, let I sleep in the sleep of death. As I said, waiting takes a long time. O Lord, consider me, answer me, shine your light on me. Of course, again, we come that, to that praying lament upon the cross. Jesus engulfed in darkness, crushed by the wrath of his Father God, cries out in the darkness, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Seems almost illogical, doesn't it, to speak to one who forsakes you and to call upon him. But it's the logic of the lament. It's the logic of a, of a prayer like this in Psalm 13. And the psalmist begins to emerge. Verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. The Lord is named in all three sections of this psalm. In verse 1, the Lord is mentioned with a barrage of questions. The psalmist is peppering God with these four questions. How long? How long? How long? And then in verse 3, the Lord is named as the grounds of the psalmist's appeal. I'm coming to call on you Please intervene in my darkness and switch on the light. And then in verse 6, this God who has been cross-examined, cross-questioned by the psalmist becomes the Lord who is praised. It's a remarkable journey. And, of course, when you read the psalm, six verses, it just takes a minute or so. But I suggest the experience takes longer than a minute. 
this process can be a long and drawn out process. And as we'll see, the, the psalmist, even when he gets to verses 5 and 6, is not quite there yet. He's anticipating, rather than fully experiencing, um, the light. Lament and hope. Someone has said that um, in these psalms of lament, the agony and the ecstasy belong together. The psalmist is expressing his agony, but anticipating the ecstasy of enjoying God's favour and praising God's name in the future. The agony and the ecstasy belongs together. Hope despairs, and despair hopes. The psalmist is a man of hope, but his questions indicate his despair. The psalmist is despairing, yet he sees the light at the end of the tunnel. He sees the prospect of God working in his life. Agony and adoration that are brought together through the faith of the psalmist, trusting in the living God. Someone has thought about these psalms in these terms of orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Life, for the believer, generally is orientation. Things are the right side up. Life is good. We believe what we believe and it seems as though God is coming through for us and things are well with our souls. And then, there is some disruption, there is some disorientation. Our life is turned upside down, all the coordinates seem to be out of place. Darkness begins to invade the light space. And we cry out to this God, who says, well, we, we need you, we need you to be at work in our, in our lives at this time. And then there's a reorientation. We're not brought back exactly to the place where we started. We're not back at square one. We've, we've made progress because we, we trust God now, not because things are fine. We trust God because God can be trusted when things are not fine. God can be trusted through the dark, winding tunnel. He can be trusted to bring us through. We're suddenly now more able to trust him because he's brought us through that. When I think about those three words, I think about our eldest daughter when she went for her first inoculation. My wife and I took her to the doctor's surgery and she was smiling. Um, she smiled at the nurse and she smiled at us. She was always smiling at that particular stage. Her name is Naomi, it means pleasant and some of her life she has been pleasant. But then this smiling lady um, took a needle and inoculated our daughter. Um, everything was fine in her life. You know, mum and dad were there. This lovely lady was smiling at her. And then suddenly pain was introduced to her life. And suddenly her, her face, her smile disappeared. Her face began to crumple and she screamed. Because suddenly the, the world of orientation was disorientated. There's pain in the world and my, my parents have brought me here for this. Of course, 
um, it did get better. And uh, she finally realised that that infliction of pain was her parents um, seeking to protect her from further pain and distress in the future. And that's often the case, isn't it? With our own experiences of difficulty, it is the, the difficulty that helps us to make progress. There was a couple of children that were walking along a path and the boy said to the girl, well, you know, this, this, this path is not really a path, it's just, it's just all bumpy and lumpy. And the girl turns to her brother and said, it's the bumps that you climb on. And it's right, isn't it? It is the bumps in life that we climb on that help us to make progress and to live um, effectively in trusting God. Of course, this psalm very much helps us to, to see the shadow of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've mentioned his own words of lament upon the cross already this evening. We read, don't we, in Hebrews of Jesus, that for the joy that was before him, he endured the shame, the pain, the agony, the darkness of the cross. For in Jesus and his cross and resurrection, there is sorrow with joy following. There is suffering followed by glory. And there is no glory without suffering. There is no joy without the lament of distress, the cry of dereliction. The cry of dereliction leads to the joy of him returning to the Father and claiming a people for himself. Jesus asks a painful question upon the cross. It's okay not to be okay for the Son of God. He plunges into our questions, he plunges into our darkness and then rises, bringing fresh joy and freedom and life. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully for me, with me. Now, is the psalmist saying, I am singing, or I will sing? Is he saying, I'm ready now, I'm ready now for a, a full-on praise session? Or is he saying, I will yet sing? I think it's probably more of the latter. I think that I can see myself emerging out of this. I think I can see a better day. I think I can see a fresh narrative for my life. And I will sing. There was a woman who was coping with deep depression. And she spoke to um, someone about her faith in the Lord Jesus. And spoke about what it was to trust him in, in good times and to trust him in bad times. And she said it was, she was really helped by um, what the person was able to say to her. And she said, well in a sense... Nothing has changed. And in a sense, everything has changed. And of course, that's what happens, isn't it? In the life of a believer so often. God works in our life and the cancer doesn't necessarily go away. That dilemma in the family or in the workplace or in society or globally doesn't disappear. There's a sense in which nothing has changed. And yet, when God shines his light 
into our lives, everything seems to change. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Have you ever had someone say to you, all you need to do is ask for help. All you need to do is is ask and we'll come and help you. I wonder whether God is often thinking that about us. All you need to do is ask for help. Psalm 13 is a cry for help. Help me, help me, Lord. It's not wrong to ask questions of God, to bring our questions, our pain, our hurt to him. He delights to hear us. He knows our needs before we ask. He delights to work in our lives. What we get when we pray a psalm like Psalm 13 is not so much an answer, but we get him. It seems that in suffering, what we need is not so much a solution, but a person. One who stands by our side and says, I am with you. Let's pause. Let's pray. Let's seek this God in prayer together. Lord God, you know what I really need. Not more information, but more love. Not your timetable, but your presence. Thank you for giving me yourself in Jesus Christ. Gracious God, sometimes we feel like you are far away from us. When we feel that way, we don't always know what to do. Remind us in those times that, you, that we can always come to you and that you will always hear us. We trust in you. If we're in that place, O Lord, where maybe we we feel the icy finger of darkness upon us, or we're in a, a dark place, help us to cry to you for help. We thank you that you can bring us out of the darkness of our guilt and condemnation, the darkness of our despair, the darkness of our fear of death, darkness of our questions about how intractable problems will be resolved. Help us, O Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing in closing, Lord, I come before your throne of grace.
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. You might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.